welcome to episode 116 of Should I Drink That? I'm your host, the Cardinal of Craft Beer, the Holy Man of Hops, the Most Reverend Father Spoon. This is going to be a fun trip, and I say trip because tonight we're going back in time. The beers for this evening are Stone 888 and then the reboot of 888. Now you might be thinking, Spoon, what the hell are you talking about? If you're newer to craft beer, you're scratching your head. If, you're be- if you've been around craft beer for a while, you're probably going, yeah, you were supposed to drink that a few years ago. So <laughs> the first beer we're going to start with uh, is the reboot that they did, or is they're calling it the Encore Edition from Stone Brewing, the 888 Vertical Epic Series. The Vertical Epic Series uh, started in 2002, ran up to 2012. And each year there was a different beer that would come out. And then the, the deal was you were supposed to drink all the beers do like vertical at the end of the series and see how they tasted. Well, as luck would have it, um, I have a plethora of vertical epics left. Well, I shouldn't say a plethora of them. So I have the vertical epic series from 333 until 1212.12. And there's a few extras left in there. Uh, the set was graciously donated to me from Sick Puppy uh, right after he um, he went off into re- craft beer podcasting retirement. I said, Spoon, I, I want you to have these. This is my gift to you as part of the show. Take good care of my babies. And they have been sitting in the perfect temperature that I can assess uh, down in my basement. And then also, uh, as far as I know, he's kept these in perfect condition too. So... The only time they wouldn't have been is transporting it from his house in Cranberry to my house in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. It's about a 30 minute drive. So besides of that, as far as I know, these beers are still supposed to be good. I do have extras, which is why I'm doing the 888. I plan on keeping my vertical series for a very long time. It's just one of those that I'd want to hold on to. Should I drink them? Probably. But it's turning into more of, uh, I just want to have them to say I have them. Because I do have extras of most of the beers, so I can at least try them and say, yeah, all right, now I know where it's at. So we're going to start off with the Encore. And then we're going to go back in time to the 888. Because I know this one's fresh. I don't know what happened to the other beers. Yeah, this could either be epically awesome or a huge train wreck. Either way, you know the rules on should I drink that. If it's crap, it gets chugged. I really don't have to chug a bomber. I haven't done that in a very long time. So let's get into it. Uh, here's the first beer. Now, here's the cool thing that they're doing with this, too, is so they basically recreated the the recipe from 888. And this is one of their more popular ones. So I remember really liking this beer when it came out about eight years ago. And, uh, yeah, eight years. I, uh, so you can imagine how, how long those other beers have been sitting that I have in the collection. Well, you can do the math too from 333. But I do recall really liking this beer. I have notes scribbled down, but we never actually did a review of the beers. Uh, Should I drink that? Did 555 and 666. And then I think we just said, you know what? We're not going to do this every year. Let's just try other beers. There's other things going on. And I wish we would have done that because I would have loved to have heard the recording eight years ago compared to now. Because I'm sure it was probably craptastic because most of the stuff we did back then and some can argue the shows now are still that way. But hey, I digress. Let's drink a beer. 
In 2008, Stone Brewmaster Steve Wagner and Mitch Steele traveled to Belgium, where they enjoyed a number of hop-forward Belgian triples, pale ales, and IPAs, beers that had taken a cue from the U.S. craft brewing movement and inspired Stone in return. It's a big reason 2008's summer season came to be known at Stone as their Summer of the Triple. Upon their return, they crafted Stone 888 Vertical Epic Ale, the seventh beer in the 11-beer Stone Vertical Epic Ale series. Packed with a floral, spicy essence from Belgian yeast, plus plenty of hop, new world character. It's their West Coast take on a hop-driven Belgian beers. Oh boy. Let's see if the beer now is going to be like the beer back then. The uh, the beer is pretty much identical, uh, except for there's the little 20th anniversary, which Stone, congratulations, by the way, 20 years in the craft brewing industry, pretty damn good. We know there's a lot of uh, the older breweries are starting to hit those milestones now, which is pretty cool to see. I think it kind of puts it into perspective how long craft brewing's been around for some of the newer guys who are like, yeah, these are newer beers. Well, no, they've actually been around for a while, and these brewers have been around for a while. So, hey, if you're getting into craft beer, welcome. If you've been here for a while, thank you for everything you've done and for supporting the industry. Now, here's a cool addition to the bottle. It's a 2015 re-release, drink fresh or age at cellar temperature, and they give you the cellar temperature that you should have it at right now, which is pretty cool. Um, a lot of the beers back in the day, you know, eight years ago, didn't give you a lot of information on it, but uh, the newer ones are very... <laughs> They do a very good job. Plus, hey, look, there's social media on here now, which didn't really exist too much back in 2008. So let's crack this open and see what we have. I picked this up at Bruce Brothers in Mount Lebanon for $10.99. There's a, only a few bottles left. And the 080808 original that I had I picked up for $12 at Three Sons, Dogs, and Suds. God bless their souls. Up there in craft beer heaven that used to be in Wexford. Still by far the best craft beer store we ever had in Pittsburgh. Oh, damn. Okay, right off the bat. Jesus. All right, the beautiful golden color. Wow. But the head on this thing is... It's white. It's creamy. I want to say a little frothy looking, but this is this is the ideal head that you want on a beer. Uh, it, it's what I'm digging with it is I can guarantee you I could float things on top of the head on this beer. I mean this is this is picturesque. This is this is what you want beer porn to look like, and I'm sure this beer is, could could be used in a lot of photos because that is just freaking gorgeous. And if you don't believe me, head to the Should I Drink That Instagram account, Instagram.com slash Should I Drink That, and I'm going to have a picture of this beer on there because, damn, would you look at that. So yeah, check out the Instagram account. I just posted the photo. If you're, uh, I, I'm not doing this on on Periscope tonight. I did want to do that. We do have a Periscope account. It's Periscope.tv slash SIDT, and I was hoping to do that tonight. But with all the stuff I have on the table in front of me, I wasn't even going to try to figure out how to use the phone with this. But do check that out because there are videos that pop up there. There's a 24-hour lifespan on those videos. So make sure you're following so you're notified when Should I Drink That is broadcasting. Now let's give this thing a taste. Right away, I'm noticing on the nose, it's, um, wow, yeah, it's, it's very spicy. 
In fact, it's it's very typical of a Belgian. I, I shouldn't say very spicy. It's not overly spicy. It's not under spicy. It's just right. And man, so the looks have me. The uh, the aroma definitely has me in. Slight hops, but it, it definitely ta- it smells more like a Belgian beer. And this is this does look. This does come in at 8.9% ABV, and the IBUs are 45. Oh, Jesus. Wow. That, that's doing like... <laughs> wow, this is this is definitely a hoppy beer. Uh, I'm surprised the the IBUs are 45 because it's it has more bite than I was expecting from it. Definitely taste the Belgian yeast in it. Whoa. But it's I, I think the... Um, the bitterness from the hops is actually more. Yeah, the, the hops is taking over on this one. Which for me is, is not a bad thing. I, I like beers like that. But if you're if you're a very anti IPA hop person, you're not going to like this beer. No, but this one is Jesus. I, I like this one. Um, definitely can't have a lot of them. Oh, my mouth's already starting to pucker. Mm. It doesn't taste as boozy as I was expecting for an 8.9. 8.9 is kind of towing the line of whether or not you're going to get some uh, alcohol burn to it. Whew. So overall with this beer, uh, the aroma is giving me a very clovey, fruity. It's and it's like a you're getting a, a Belgian aroma to it, like a banana, banana-y. Can I say that? Can I say banana-y? I'm looking at my editor. Can I say that? Producer, can I do that? Yeah. Uh, it's very reminiscent of a Belgian beer. But then once you taste it, it's like a hot punch in the mouth. Seriously, it's like it's like Mike Tyson just comes up and punches you in the mouth with he's beating the shit out of your palate with this uh with these hops. It's it's heavy on the bitter for me. I like it. Wasn't what I was expecting from a Belgian style IPA, but you know what? It's it's not bad because it's still medium body. Um, it it's not as crisp as I would want it to be, but after a while, the hops just kind of linger in and they sneak up, and then it, you just get that right hook to the face, and you're done. I could definitely be toast after. Well, one of these is a 22 ounce. We'll we'll see what happens with this. Ooh. But it's definitely a. It's definitely a sipper beer. But uh, Stone, you did a very good job with this. I'm going to let this warm up a little bit too here and and see if uh, it opens up any other flavors or aromas for me. So one of the things that I've uh, I've been on a big kick for recently is uh, is Netflix binge watching. I was a cord cutter a few years ago. About a year and a half ago, I guess it was, and uh, and we've saved a ton of money getting rid of cable. If you haven't done it yet, let me know, and, and I'll tell you basically what we did. Got rid of cable, and we're down to let's just put it this way: we're saving about a hundred, a little bit more than a hundred dollars a month once we factor in packages that we bought and and the different services that we have. Uh, it it was a very smart decision to make. It wasn't mine at first. My wife was like, "Yeah, we got to do this." And then I was like, eh, I can't give up my TV. Then I realized I don't miss it that much. And then I discovered the wonders of cord cutting, getting TV over 
the HD antenna, and then also Netflix, which I am hugely addicted to now. And I binge watch anything I can get my hands on. Started with uh, Breaking Bad. And just so you know, I have a history of watching TV series after they've already finished. And that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, I did binge watch uh, The Wonder Years just so I could go back to my youth for a little bit. I wasn't that age when the show took place, but when it first aired, I was a kid. Actually, I think uh, Kevin Arnold and I are the, the same age, which or Fred Savage, whatever you want to call him. We're, we're basically the same age. So I got into watching uh, Making a Murderer, which, dear God, if you want to get pissed off watching a TV series, watch this series. I really don't know if he's innocent or guilty. I'm leaning towards the innocent ways, uh, and I don't want to ruin the series for you. Spoiler alert. No, we're not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You pretty much know what's going on. I was able to actually not read anything leading up to watching this just so I could get the kind of the full effect. And let me just say there is a serious problem with the judicial system in the state of Wisconsin for this to have happened, not just once, but twice to the poor guy. Uh, so if he did kill her, I don't know. You have to watch the series and find out. But I will say you will end up being pissed off by the time you're done watching that. There's a couple times I threw my remote. There's a couple times I jumped up and like wanted to high five somebody, but I was the only person sitting in the room watching it at like two in the morning. Because I would seriously sit there and it's ten episodes about ten episodes. So you could knock this thing out in two days easily. Awesome series. Definitely go check that out. If you're a big fan of the serial podcast. You need to check out this series because it's a visual version, basically, of, of what they did with Serial. So it's very cool. And then also I discovered something that I, I didn't realize so many of my friends were, were into. I met the Doctor. I finally started watching Doctor Who. And I, I have a thing for time travel. Uh, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan if you couldn't have guessed from the intro. Big Back to the Future fan, and in most movies that deal with, with time travel, I liked uh, Voyagers when it was out in the early 1980s. In fact, I think it only ran for one season with uh, Phineas Bogg and his sidekick, Jeffrey. Um, so I was a big fan of that, and then I just most of those kind of stories in general. So, and I fell in love with Back to the Future, the whole theory behind time travel and the DeLorean, and that was like very hardcore time of my youth. So I was watching a lot of Back to the Future, and trust me, don't even try getting me on Back to the Future trivia because I'll probably smoke your ass on it. it. Yeah, I've had people try. Although I guess you could pick out the very minute detail and come up and ask me a question. But now two and three, it might be a little shaky on first one. I, I think I have, I think my kids have that movie memorized by this point. So I started watching Doctor Who. And I, I found out really quick from posting on Facebook that people have their favorite doctor and they are very, very dedicated to their favorite doctor. So right now I'm, I'm watching the reboot. I guess the, they have the older episodes or older series on there too. I'm watching the reboot that started in the early 2000s. I think it was around 2005 maybe, 2003, 2005, somewhere like there. And, um, I'm up to season seven, episode 10 or 11, with uh, Matt Smith as the doctor. Now, some of my friends were like, oh my God, have you seen this episode? Have you seen that episode? I have, 
Uh, I don't have a favorite one right now. I do love the ones with the with the angels in it. Um, actually, I think the I think the most well written one, and this is why I love the series. It is the thought that goes into the scripts for this is amazing. It's mind blowing when you realize how how they developed an entire season. I think that's why I'm getting sucked into this too. So one of my favorite ones is when the uh, the doctor plans out for an entire year how he was going to come back and and um, and when basically he was going to. I, I see. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil this for anybody who hasn't seen it yet either. Is the problem? But basically, he was in. He was being held captive and he was going to be killed. And everyone came back. He had his plan in motion for a year. And well, of course, he went and sees the doctor. So I have to say that. My favorite doctor, if I had to pick one right now, is uh, David Tennant. I I think he's kick ass. I love his personality. He's he's what I would expect out of this character. Matt Smith is good. Um, I, it's something about him though. I'm just not a hundred percent sold on. I think David Tennant though was just like nailed the role. Uh, as it comes for sidekicks though, uh, Amy Pond was amazing. I still think she was amazing, although. I just met Clara, and that could change. She's only been in a few episodes. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to get into this a little bit more. I've heard the next Doctor is fantastic, too. And Netflix only goes up to season 9, or season 8. And from what I've been able to tell, Netflix is actually going to stop it February 1st because there's a contract dispute again. So I'm trying to binge watch everything. So, yes, I have finally gotten into Doctor Who. I will talk to you about the Daleks, the Cybermen, uh, all these uh, all these little nuances with the show. I would love to talk to somebody about. So if you guys, if you guys want to talk to Doctor Who with me, definitely shoot me a message. Post something on the Should I Drink That Facebook group, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash Should I Drink That. If anyone wants to talk Doctor Who, let me know because I'm totally just diving into this thing and obsessed with it. It's been pretty cool. I'm, oh, I dig it so much. It's so cool. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you, you definitely try it. You got to try the series out. Watch the first season. It's kind of slow. And when you're watching it, you're going to go, hey, isn't that guy Destro? Wasn't he in the G.I. Joe movie? He he did something. He was, he was one of those villains. If he wasn't Destro, he was somebody else. Yeah, I know that guy from somewhere. He's also in Gone in 60 Seconds. As the the guy who didn't like his his furniture getting smashed or his wood getting smashed, he was good. I liked him. He was pretty good. I kind of wish he would have stayed, but da- I think David Tennant just blew it away. If you don't agree with me, let me know. So while I'm drinking this beer and also looking towards the future, we had some pretty big news happen. Uh, let's see, a couple days ago actually. Hitchhiker Brewing, which is based in Mount Lebanon, uh, it's a smaller little setup in the heart of Mount Lebanon, uh, but awesome beers made by, uh, as everyone's beloved, Jagoff Brewer Andy. They are now expanding to the south side, and I, I want to go run over there and, and give them a high five, or actually I'd probably just put them in a headlock and give them a nuggie if I could. Hitchhiker Brewing is working to establish a production facility in the city of Pittsburgh, more commonly known as the Southside Flats. And once I saw that address, I'm like, I know this area. And looking it up, it's so it's very close to the Holiday Inn Express by the 10th Street Bridge. And uh, there's there's street parking for it, but the building's bigger, and they're going to be able to do a lot more with it. I am, I'm beyond psyched for these guys. 
and there is actually a lot of craft beer news coming out of Pittsburgh with places opening up. Uh, I was reading that 11th hour is getting ready. If you listen to over a couple of beers with uh, Jason Sircone, he was talking to guys from Levity and from Noblestein. They're opening up in Indiana soon. Uh, Insurrection just opened down in Heidelberg, and they are getting rave reviews. Awesome food, awesome beers. I haven't been down there yet. I got to get down there. But yeah, so much craft beer is happening in Pittsburgh. And there's something like 10 more breweries I've heard are, are forming or are trying to open up in the next year or two. 10. Good Lord. How many of these actually happen? I don't know. But this is, I don't want to say it's getting insane, but it's getting a little overwhelming for me. I don't, there's no reason why you cannot find good beer in Pittsburgh. That's what it's coming down to. And that's what I love is that looking to the future of craft beer, this is just, Pittsburgh is going to be an awesome place to be. It already is an awesome place, but it's getting even better. Uh, we've been rated as one of the best foodie cities, apparently, even though anyone, everyone basically talks about primary sandwiches when it comes to Pittsburgh and our super sloppy fries and stuff like that. But I guess there's actually really good eating around here coming from a guy with two little kids. So, you know, my, my dining out uh, establishments are usually like Red Robin or Eaton Park. Not that they're not nice. I'm just saying I don't usually go put to a place that doesn't have uh, a coloring menu to it. But there are the rare occasions when I do get out. So congratulations to our friends over at Hitchhiker Brewing. That's pretty awesome, guys. I'm glad to see that it's uh, everything's working out and... I think they make some fantastic beers. If you read the internets and some beer holes, ah, they can get pretty nasty after a while. But the, the nice thing is with the expansion of this beer, obviously business is good and the best of luck to them. I, I like their beers, so whatever. I'm going to keep drinking them. So as this beer is warming up, wow, uh, I will say that the hops and Jesus. Ah, I feel like I just got hit in the face. The... Uh, the the hops in this thing is just get it's starting to get really overpowering. I'm not saying this is chuggable. I still like it, but the, yeah, you got to let this damn thing warm up a little bit. Split it with some friends, because that's the best thing about craft beer and bomber bottles. You can split it with your friends, and they're definitely going to dig this. I'm getting a lot more um, clove out of that now. Hey, if you're in the Manaka area of Pittsburgh, which is a little bit northwest of Pittsburgh head up 376 past the airport keep on driving all the way up there to Manaka I'm going to be at the Bocktown location on January 19th from 6 until 8 p.m. that's at the Beaver Valley Mall next to Macy's it's been a while since I've been up there uh, last visit for should I drink that was episode 75 in 2011 I believe it was where they opened up the store had a big old kickoff with it we drank some. Oh, we drank some really good beers with uh, Chris Dilla and Tara, the beer librarian. We had. Uh, oh, there was the Sam Adams Utopias was there. Definitely big fan of that one. So if you're in the area, come on out. Uh, no idea what we're sampling yet. We'll find out when I get there. I guess. Not a big deal. They always have good beer. Uh, the food's fantastic. I wish I could get out to Bucktown more often. I usually hit the Robinson one, but I don't get out to Manaka because it's. That's a little bit of an extra haul for me from where I'm at. That's And besides, there's a Bocktown on the way. So I stopped at the Bocktown that's closer to me. But yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, go to bocktown.com slash events 
slash tasting and uh, you'll see a list of all the events and should I drink that is listed there for the 19th it's gonna be a good time you know it is drinking beer with me is always fun you can dig it all right now that that one's finished um I think it's time to go back time circuits on Flux capacitor fluxing. Let's go back to 2008. Okay, so we're ready to crack open the 080808 vertical epic. Anxious to see how this is going to turn out. Uh, I have no clue. I don't know anybody else who still has any of these bottles left. Let's see what happens. Okay, that's a good sign. Oh. Looking at the color on this, the other one is more of a golden yellow, but this one looks more, it's a, it's a deeper yellow to it. It's starting to almost go orange. Uh, there's still head on it, not much, but there is still, and still some healthy carbonation in it. Oh, the aroma on this, wow. Okay, wait, this actually smells like a Dogfish 120. That's what it reminds me of. A little sweet. Uh, it's definitely mellowed out. It's not as aggressive as, well, and the last one wasn't really aggressive, but it's, when you compare the two, uh, this one's definitely more mellow. I have a feeling that's how I'm going to become after I drink this thing too. But um, definitely still looks like a solid beer. That That's a unique color. Like it's, it's almost like a chameleon. Like it doesn't know what color it wants to be. It's just, it's a little light and it's getting a little bit darker. It's getting a little yellow. It's getting a little orange. Oh, that is neat. I dig that. And this, see, this is what I love about craft beer and rediscovering it after a while is you never know what to expect. It's like a whole new experience. Um, hmm. All right, let's get a drink. It's smooth has a little bit of a burn to it. There's no hot profile left to it. It's uh, I'm still picking up some of the banana to it, but it's for the most part, um, you could drink this. You can kind of tell the character it used to have, but it's fading very fast. And, and that's something I wondered with this series. Uh, it, it's still a good beer. I, I'm actually enjoying this. I have to sit back with it for a little bit. The carbonation starting to lose its luster, and uh, it's it's dying very fast. Almost like it's taking its last breath. So since we're on the time travel kick, I was fortunate enough to stop in at Doc G's Brewing Company in Dubois, Pennsylvania over the holiday. And uh, I got to talk to Virgil, who's an old-time guest on the show from way back in the days when we had, um, well, not Steel City Big Board, the Big Tap-In in Boardman, Ohio, and Virgil was one of the one of the first guys that we interviewed up there when he was with uh, Main Street Brewing Company. Well, now he's over with Doc G's, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm in town. Can we can we hook up? Let's talk. Let's talk beer. So he invited me over, and I got to meet, uh, well, I got to re- see Kevin again, who I haven't seen since the Beer Fest also. So I sat down with those guys. I got the tour of the place, and uh, there'll be more coming from this brewery later. Uh, I'm going to go back up there and we're going to do a full show with them. I've heard the food up there is awesome. And that, that's something that you're going to notice is very common with a lot of these breweries. 
is that their food is just as good, if not better, than the beer. And that's what's that's what's bringing a lot of people in because they're still kind of on the fence about checking out really good beers, uh, especially up in the Dubois area. It's mostly I mean, it's Central PA, so there's a lot of Bud Coors, Millers, and Bush uh, still going around up there. But there's that there's that group of craft beer fans that are popping up, especially in the uh, the twenty uh, late early late twenties and early thirties. People are like, hey, this is something we need to think about. And now there's a brewery up there. The cool thing is there has been brewing in Dubois since, I believe, the early 70s. Might be around 1970, 1971. And so this is the first brewery since then. And let me tell you, these guys have definitely gotten Dubois back on the map because this they had some really good beers up there that I tried. So here's my interview with those guys. Uh, short, just quick conversation with them. And like I said, uh, we're going to go back up there later and do a full show with them. I had an awesome time. Thank you guys for giving me a quick tour of the place. I am amazed at how much beer that they've gone through. Uh, when At the time, they were still in their soft opening, which was only a couple of weeks long, and they were almost out of beer. They went through a lot of barrels, and they showed me the proof. It's, it's absolutely amazing, and these guys, uh, they have one hell of a system down. It's kind of tight quarters compared to other breweries. But they're making it work, and uh, and I've drank Virgil's beers for a very long time, and the guy knows what's going on. So here's my interview with the guys from Doc G's. We headed towards this in episode 115, and I lived up to it. I told you guys we're going to do more. Should I drink that here in the new year? And I'm sitting here at Doc G's Brewing Company in beautiful downtown Dubois, Pennsylvania, with Virgil, the head brewer. G'day. G'day. And Kevin, the assistant How's Head Brewer. <laughs> They're both Canadian in spirit. I'm take assuming. off. Take off. Take off, eh? On the West Virginia side. <laughs> I noticed the West Virginia plate on your truck. That's what threw me off. I'm like, why is he coming in from West Virginia? Wow. They're really bringing a lot of people in here. That's how we roll. And I just got done with the tour of the brewing area. And let me tell you, folks, you need to brush up on your strange brew if you haven't done it yet. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know why you're listening to this show because I think, I'm pretty sure everyone in our audience has listened to Strange Brew. But if you're new to craft beer, uh, definitely watch that movie because I think that's what kicked it off for a lot of us that are in craft beer now. We'll is, cut you in toes just a little slack for not seeing it yet, eh? We'll give you like like a grace period. <laughs> just bring me a jelly donut. Oh, beauty. Watch your bottles. Watch them for mice. <laughs> but not from here. Yins are cool from here. So, last time that Virgil and I talked, it was a, it was a while ago. We were uh, we were in a parking lot in Boardman, Ohio, and, uh, and and things got a little crazy. I believe it was way back in ep- it was probably like in the fifties ish episodes. You guys recorded seventies. That? That's not cool, man. I, I recorded it with my teaser. So we had, we had talked to him when you were with Main Street at the time. Yes. Uh, left Main Street, took some time off. And now you're back, and you're here in Dubois, and you're from the general area, right? Right. So what was it that, that brought you back into brewing and into the, the Dubois area? Uh, what got me back into brewing was I was tired of pushing paper for a living, um, and I, I, it just hit me, you know, do what you love, do what you do best. So uh, I decided to put myself back out there, see what happens, and uh, 
after uh, about 10 interviews in seven states over about a three-week period, I got an email from a guy wanting to build a brewery 30 miles from where I grew up. Less than a year later, here we are bringing brewing back to Dubois. So what was your thought when you heard that uh, there was going to be a brewery in Dubois, of all places? For those of you unfamiliar with how Pennsylvania is laid out, uh, Pittsburgh's kind of in the, the lower left corner. Philly's in the lower right. And then if you go smack dab in the middle, you've pretty much got Dubois. It's in central Pennsylvania. A lot of people know it as uh, two exits off of Route 80, and, and that might be it. So why Dubois? Like, what was your reaction when you heard that it was coming back here? Honestly, the first word that went through my head was amen. Talking to the owner, uh, building a brewery in, in Dubois is something that, that he had dreamed about for probably a 15-year period. Um, I myself, when I was uh, back in the area, 97, 98, I thought to myself, Dubois needs a brewery. That point in time, uh, I wasn't confident that Dubois could support a brewery. Needless to say, it's a whole new Dubois. Um, the demographics have changed, tastes have changed. There's definitely a desire and a demand for something different, something creative, something new here in downtown. And uh, to, uh, to, to quote the owner, Jeff Gilbert, at, at one point his wife finally looked at him and said, either do it or shut up. <laughs> something, that's a paraphrase. But, um, it's a good paraphrase. So again, you know, uh, less than a year later, here we are. Uh, I started talking with Jeff uh, late January uh, of fi uh, 15. Uh, came on board as a consultant. Uh, construction of the building started in June. And we opened our doors to the public on December 1st. Our grand opening will be the 30th. Um, we opened on the 1st. We started pouring beer on the 10th. Uh, I think we've done about uh, 11 or 12 barrels in a week and a half. So I'd say we're off to a pretty good start. So from construction to opening was less than six months, or roughly about six months. Right. That, that's pretty amazing. So what was this building beforehand that you had to do all the, the construction in? It was a heating and plumbing company since uh, somewhere in the 1930s, I believe. Family-owned business, a couple of generations. It just so happens that one of the partners in the company, uh, former owner of the heating and plumbing company, is uh, rather a fan of craft beer himself, so that certainly didn't hurt. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the brewing history in Dubois. Uh, we know that there used to be a brewery here in the early 70s, very early, like 1970-71 area, and then uh, Budweiser kind of came in and crushed everyone's dreams, which they have a habit of doing. Something like that. And, uh, and now, you know, craft beer is picking up. So what do you think it is that, that makes people excited about beer in the area? I think n not just this area, but, but consumers on the whole are just uh, tired of the same old, same old. Um, you know, taste change, interest change, and, and even the the folks who are not quote unquote craft beer drinkers are kind of coming around to the fact that that craft beer is not something weird. It's not something off the wall. It's not some crazy newfangled thing that you know a bunch of hipsters uh, pulled out of thin air. You know, craft beer really is is not a new thing. It's actually a very old thing, um, and it, you know. Take a look at Europe, for example. Uh, in Europe, craft beer doesn't exist. It's just beer. We're not doing anything new. What we're doing is going back to, back to tradition, back to the way things used to be before uh, you know everything became, for lack of a better word, bastardized after Prohibition. Um, as far as, as Dubois' history, um, 
it was uh, Frank Haynes Sr. actually founded uh, Dubois Budweiser in the uh, 1890s. Um, I don't think those ladies back there agree with you. That's okay. <laughs> I, I've checked my sources. I, I can prove it. Um, he ran the company until, I want to say, the uh, early 60s, handed it off to uh, his children. And uh, unfortunately, actually, let me back up. The um, company was actually sold in the early 60s to uh, Pittsburgh Brewing Company. Um, once Pittsburgh Brewing Company acquired the company, they were eventually sued by uh, the, uh, you know, the bad guys. The, the name that we shall not mention. Yes, the name we shall not speak of. Um, they, they were sued for, for using the name, um, which interestingly enough, they stole from the original company in the Czech Republic from I don't even know back when, but they won their lawsuit because they actually copyrighted the name and nobody else did. Whatever. We won't get into all of that. I guess we just did. Sorry about that. That's for another show. <laughs> so, uh, unfortunately, as of, um, I believe, 1972, uh, Dubois Brewing Company was no more. Um, so, I, I think I, I speak for the entire community uh, when I say that bringing brewing back to Dubois is long overdue, and we are blessed and couldn't be more happy to be part of it. So, we're sitting here at the bar area. And I'm looking at all the history up here on top of the bar, which is also something that I know um, Chris Siriani up in Erie at the, at the Brew Erie takes very great pride in. There's a lot of Kohler beer memorabilia all around there. Talk about some of the, the cool artifacts that you guys have up here. We have uh, one of the old radio flyer wagon type deals, you know, when, when toys were made of steel. But instead of being a wagon, it's actually a fire engine, which is pretty cool. We've got some 12-ounce bottles from the old uh, Dubois Budweiser plant, as well as uh, half a dozen bricks that actually came from the original Dubois Budweiser building. Uh, we've got a crate here from uh, Jefferson Bottling Works out of Punxsutawney. Um, I'll admit I'm not as familiar as I should be with a lot of the history here in the area, but... Um, I know that uh, Dubois Budweiser was not the only brewery uh, in the area. There were several others throughout the 40s and 50s. Um, but, of course, you know, the Dubois Budweiser was the most prominent and uh, mo most popular and well-known. And a lot of people may not realize this, too, but the old Brockway glass actually made a lot of the beer bottles that you've exactly. consumed through your life. Uh, right. I, have, I actually have stored away in my beer cellar some of the Coors Light baseball bat bottles that they came out with in the nice. 90s. Awesome. I think there's like a Wade Boggs and a Tony Gwynn bottle that are there. And, uh, and I also like, too, that, so there's a can of Dubois Bach beer that's up right. there. And, uh, and yeah, this is, this is a nice collection, which I'm sure is going to grow once uh, some of the, the local beer fans, you know, start coming in here and say, hey, you know, can, I, can they do that? Start can, making donations, eh? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if somebody has something from Dubois, you know, Dubois uh, Budweiser or any of the Dubois breweries, in the past, you know, can they get a hold of you and say, hey, I want to donate this to put on display because it's been sitting in my house and I, I'm glad to see Brewing's back. Please do. Maybe we can even trade it for a couple of beers. Now, see, that's the best kind of Don't beer trade. Don't quote me on that. And if you want to get a hold of him, it is brewer at docgsbrewing.com. I'll have links to this in the show notes. Now, Kevin, I don't want to neglect you. You've been sitting here listening to Virgil jabber on because he's good for that. That's why we like talking to them. Got to be good for something, right? So how did you get on board with this? Well, once he got involved and started 
moving things forward, I realized, holy crap, brewing beer is going to be a lot less stressful than state employment. <laughs> so I said, that's a 15-barrel system you got coming in. You're going to need an assistant, right? And, and the rest is now history. Exactly. So how long have you guys known each other? Uh, about 21 years. You've known him for 21 years? You knew him when he was a Ute? Two Utes. Two, two Utes. We, we, we were two Utes. <laughs> how long have you guys been brewing together? Uh, I taught Virgil how to homebrew in 2002, I believe. So we've got you to thank for this, for giving him the bug. Absolutely. So not only do you guys have beer here, but you've also got a lot of other local sources. In fact, let's go. Let's step back for a second. Your beers... And I told everyone this is going to be a teaser, but we're going to get a little bit more into this because I, I really want you guys to check this out. So are your ingredients more, are they local or, you know, where are you sourcing everything from? Uh, right now, we're not pulling from a lot of local sources, but we do have plans to do so in the future. There's actually a malting company, um, I forget the name of the town, somewhere near State College. Uh, but there, there is a, uh, a malting company right here in central Pennsylvania we do plan on using some of their product and some of our seasonal beers. Uh, there's also uh, Appalachian Farms that is um, sourcing uh, fresh and local hops. We've been in contact with them as well. Um, we're, we're not ready to do that just yet, neither are they. Uh, but as, as, as all of the three companies uh, grow and evolve, we will definitely be pulling from, from uh, fresh local resources. So. Uh, we also, uh, in addition to our... Uh, house brewed beers. We are also offering wines from uh, Star Hill Winery out of Kernsville. Is there any plans to expand on that to bring in other? Because I know there, there, there's a lot of wineries in this area. <laughs> there are, there are. We've got um, you know uh, the Wilcox Winery, um, uh, Laurel Mountain, uh, just you know right outside of town here, as well as uh, we, we've got Blackbird Distillery out of Brookville, uh, CJ Spirits out of Kane. Uh, so here at Doc G's, we're not just here to build a brewery, build our own company, and, and make money for ourselves. We are here to build a community, to revitalize downtown D-Boys, to build bridges, to make connections, and to help everyone around us grow and thrive just as much as we are. It's not just about us. Now, along with the delicious beers, and I, I've had the chance to sample them, and I can't wait to come back and do a full show here. Especially after what I just got to try, which is not available to the public yet. You're, the winter beer is going to be awesome. You guys serve food here. Yes. And I've been hearing a lot, not only about the Down With Trousers beer, which I might have had a few. Uh, I've heard the food here is really awesome, too. The food is fantastic. We've got a very talented head chef, talented crew. Um, and this isn't just, like, typical bar food, either. Oh, no. And, and this is what really impressed me with the area, too, is... A lot of the places around here, they do have typical bar food, and it's always been a Bud Coors Miller kind of community, right. which is, is totally cool if that's your thing. But along with the craft beer, I've been reading a lot of good reviews about the food. So uh, really quick, just tell us about the food you guys have. Two words. Duck wings. Duck wings? I, I'm assuming they're wings of a duck, but I, I just want to clarify because we have buffalo wings. No, buffaloes don't have wings. But some people think they do. No, no. Duck wings. Little duck wings? Are we talking like full-blown duck wings? Anybody can do a chicken wing. You can get chicken wings anywhere. We have duck wings. 
duck wings. And I and just heard someone say, oh, yeah. Yeah. And our Juicy Lucy is made with ghost pepper cheese. The infamous ghost pepper. That's the one. <laughs> um, and, and Chef Carl, in addition to the ridiculous things that he does in the kitchen, um, has turned our hardwood stout into a... Uh, it's like a glaze sauce, heavenly, ridiculous... You could put it on ice cream. You could put it on a steak. Either way, it's just I gotta wipe my chin. But yeah, that's that's how we do things here at Doc G's. Dear Lord, it's a thing of beauty. You can put it on cheesecake, drizzle it over apple pie, drizzle it over ice cream, put it on a burger, put it on a steak, dip your homemade chips in it. You know what? Give me a spoon. I'm good. Since we mentioned buffalo wing. If you want to mention the buffalo chicken beer, or Shall or we? you can you can either tease it, or we can wait till later to discuss it when I come back. It, feel free to tease it though. Well, those of you who've been to the Brewers Fest at Cooper's Lake might know me best as the guy behind the bar at the Horse Piss Tavern, who makes all sorts of crazy beers. Wait, the Horse Piss Tavern? Yes, <laughs> I love that. It's Which is. Where I first invented and put buffalo chicken beer out to the public. Now, why? Well, I, I understand the why because you can, but exactly. But, but how did this even come about? Well, in our enjoyment of medieval combat, our knight Sir Taro Ravenshadow said to us, "I'll raise a glass of that. You know, I don't like beer." But if someone could brew something that tasted like beer and chicken wings in a glass, I would probably like it. And he did. So you accomplished the feat. You, you made the chicken wing beer. Yes. It, and what did it taste like? It tastes like wings and beer. Is there any chance you're going to make it again? Absolutely. Will we see it here? This will be the first commercial production of Wing Night with a K. With a ca- <laughs> wing night, of course. Bearing the government allows us to do so because we do have to, you know, deal with all of those official, technical, legal things here, which we don't have to worry about in our own kitchens. So, if the government will let us do it, yes, it's it's happening. Why wouldn't it? Now, now here's a question that I have for you about that. Since you brought up the our friends at the federal government. If you want to make a one-off beer, just a small, very small batch of this, I don't know, maybe 10-gallon batch of this to try it out, uh, do you still have to run it past the government? Most definitely. Is it because it's for commercial sale? or Exactly. What if you were just giving it away? Is that like an under-the-table deal? <laughs> and, and trust me, I can totally not even include this. So I'm just curious for myself. <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. We're a startup, eh? Good answer. Because we, we all, we all we, know the feds are listening to podcasts now. Yes, we, we do things by the book. We'll probably be okay in regard to approval because something like a buffalo chicken beer is going to fall into the category of experimental beers. So it really shouldn't be that difficult to get the approval we need to, to do something like this. And Is there actual just, chicken in it? Well, Would you have to you know put what? actual chicken in it? Yes. 
And, and I'll say this, uh, we have taken it to some, some local homebrewers festivals and uh, others have tried to copy it very, very unsuccessfully, not to toot our own horns. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. D -d -d wipe your chin. You know is what? That a tear? You, it is a very. I, I am a huge fan of, of the chicken wings, buffalo wings. There's an opportunity here for you, bud. Beauty. <laughs> All right. So, uh, really quick, how can people find you online? Uh, social media, on the internets, wherever you guys are at. If you are on Facebook or Twitter, simply go to search and Doc G's, that's D-O-C-G-S and Gamma S, all one word, Doc G's Brewing. Uh, website is docgsbrewing.com. There will be links off of Should I Drink That? Because these guys like to use the social medias. And they do have a few entries on Untapped. Pretty much if uh, people outside of this general area, especially out in like California, are saying that they're reviewing beers, they're lying and call them out on it. Amen. But gentlemen, thank you for some delicious beers today. Thank you. Can't wait to come back. Uh, wow, this download trousers is awesome. I got to get back to Pittsburgh. We got to finish recording a show. I'll talk to you guys later. Cheers. All right, I'm going That was fun. See, what did I tell you? It was a good time. It, they really did a, a fantastic job up there, and I'm looking forward to seeing these guys at Beer Fest too because it's I got to try that that winter. Oh man, that the winter beer that they have coming up is going to be very cool. So looking back at the beers, uh, the new version of the 080808 is definitely a must buy. You have to go out there and get it. Compared to the other 08, um, as I'm having a little bit more of it, it didn't with you know didn't stand up to the uh, the test of time. Not that it was supposed to last this much longer after the uh, the series ended, but it, there is still some good character to this beer. It's starting to fade out for me kind of quick, but it's not bad. Um, I give them credit for it. I've had this beer for, well, this beer's been bottled for eight years, and it's still at an 8% beer. You know, it, it's still holding up. So, you know, kudos to Stone for being able to pull that one off. And finally, I want to thank and say congratulations to the Wrestling Mayhem Show. WrestlingMayhemShow.com. Mike Sorg uh, is one of the the godfathers, grandfathers, I don't know how you want to call that, of uh, podcasting in Pittsburgh. And there's a, a few shows that have, very few shows, I think two, maybe three, have hit the 10-year mark. And should I drink, that's going to be doing that here shortly in 2016. But uh, Mike Sorg and the Wrestling Mayhem Show guys, uh, we've known them since PodCamp 1 back in 2006. And... Let me tell you that he's the hardest working guy in Pittsburgh when it comes to podcasting. He's got like five or six shows going on every Tuesday night. He's got the, it's basically podcast day and he, he pounds out these shows. So Sorg and Lunchbox and everybody else involved with the Wrestling Mayhem show. Cheers. Congratulations on 10 years. I went to their 10 year anniversary party at Looking for Group Pittsburgh, which is in Brookline. And when you go in there, it's basically a big place to play board games and, more importantly, video games. Huge TV as soon as you walk in. Uh, we played uh, WWE's 2K16 in there, and I very promptly got my butt handed to me from Riz, which I'd like to say thank you, Riz, for doing that. But uh, pizza was provided by Slice on Broadway. Thank you, Slice, one of my favorite places to go. 
And it was, it was cool because a bunch of us just hanging out, uh, playing games. I got to play New Mortal Kombat and found out it is pretty freaking slick. I, I have to own this game and I have to kick people's asses because it is that freaking cool. Oh my God. I have, There's never been a game that I've jumped out of my seat and went, oh my God, did you see that? And we were all amazed because we haven't played it yet. It's been years since I played like a good Mortal Kombat game. But they have, um, they've got PCs. Uh, they have Xbox Ones. And then they also have PS4. So I did get to play some sports games. And just, it's a good place just to go and, and kind of hang out. So if you get the chance, also check that out. Their website is lfgpgh.com. It's located in Brookline, Pennsylvania, which borders Dormont in the South Hills. But yes, congratulations to Sorg. Way to go. Awesome job. Thank you, everyone, for episode 116. For shouldidrinkthat.com, this is the most Reverend Father Spoon, or even if it's crap, I drink it so you don't have to. When you're on the social medias, check us out on Twitter, at SIDT, same with Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Google+, all should I drink that. Snapchat, SIDT Beer, and you can find me on Untapped with the username Spoon, as in the utensil. Good beer. Good night.